What were the Gerasenes scared of? What was it that so affected them that they said to Jesus, Would you just kindly leave now? What frightened them so? Was it seeing their dead pigs floating in the water? Maybe it was the sight of this crazy person that they all knew, clothed and calm and in his right mind. Maybe they're frightened because now they realize that despite all the explanations they had said to each other through the years, he's angry, he's weird, he's not well-adjusted, it turns out that he really was possessed by demons. We'll keep asking that question because it may seem to us that they should have been excited to have this healer and famous preacher with them. We are back in Luke for the next four Sundays. The stories of healing and more than anything, a gospel of the oppressed. When Luke says Jesus went to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee, he tells us a lot. First of all, Jesus is in Gentile territory. Secondly, Luke is anticipating the larger story of the Gentile mission that he develops in Acts. Also, this man, this demoniac, is not just an ordinary beggar or a homeless man. He is the ultimate outcast. He is so tortured that he tears his clothes off and is naked, banned from the city streets to run wildly in the cemetery. And then they chain him at night. In verse 36, we hear from the spectators that this creature that they all know has been healed. However, the words heal and save are the same in Greek. So this man is an example to Luke's readers of one who came to Jesus and was saved. He was an example of a marginalized person who had been excluded by his own people because he was unclean. Now he sits clean and welcomed by Jesus. Luke tells us that no one is beyond the reach of Christ's redeeming, healing love and grace. The people who own the swine are understandably afraid and despite the miraculous healing, want Jesus to leave. From this standpoint, the story demonstrates that the coming of the gospel brings upheaval and sets in motion forces that will disrupt economic and social arrangements. The good news will not seem good to everyone. Sometimes disciples will need to shake the dust off their feet because their message will not be welcome. Jesus told them this in Luke 9 and 10. Just as Jesus went to the Gerasenes, we, his followers, are called to step out of the boat on the opposite side. The mission of Jesus' followers is to take the healing and liberating love of God to broken and desolate regions, to those whose lives are bound by demonic forces they cannot control. Actually, the missional language of exorcism and healing has been a notable feature of baptismal vows since antiquity. Baptismal candidates and confirmants promise, among other things, to resist Satan and the spiritual forces of wickedness. To be baptized is to commit to going to the opposite side 
with Jesus. Rather than recognizing and celebrating the God-given good fortune of their neighbor, the people of the surrounding countryside were struck with fear. The reality that they fear the Son of God more than the unclean spirits that had harassed this man so intensely is a demonstration of the emotion that sometimes comes with an encounter with the holy. Other passages in Luke tell us that Zechariah was afraid when an angel appeared to him. We know the story of Mary, and she had the same reaction when she was told that she was a chosen one by an angel. And the shepherds were afraid when angels appeared to them. Really, there is some truth in the observation that we sometimes prefer the troubles we know to changes we do not know. This describes the garrisons. There in front of them was the evidence of God's power, a gift given for their benefit. So from the moment that the demoniac first confronted Jesus, we are invited to consider what Jesus has to do with the forces that take control of us. And yes, we could focus on the possibilities of demon possession and equate it with current psychological diagnoses. But I believe the better challenge for us is to think about Jesus' sovereignty over the powers that destroy human life. How many people in our world are haunted by traumatic past and tortured by memories? How many lack shelter and clothing because of social and economic forces beyond their control? How many are imprisoned and treated as barely human? How many are dominated by addictions, completely lost to their family and to themselves? How many families are separated by governing bodies that prevent them from seeking better lives? How many are depressed to the point of taking their own lives because they feel unloved and outcast? Jesus comes to challenge and cast out every power that prevents us from living fully and freely as human beings created in God's image. The sovereignty that Jesus claims is not just over our souls, but our current lives, sometimes allowing us to be released from legions is too frightening, too demanding, too costly. Yet this is the good news. Jesus will heal and free us. What does it mean that we humans prefer to stick with demons we know rather than grasp the freedom we don't know? Do we need some people to be examples of bad so we can feel good? Is it easier to settle for tolerance instead of challenging ourselves to love? Maybe it means that the gospel doesn't always bring peace. Sometimes it brings disorder, messing up our moral categories that we've created or our economic comforts. Maybe we aren't as keen on resurrection as we thought. After all, it means a drastic change. The story in Luke ends with Jesus commissioning the hill demoniac to serve as the first missionary to his own group. Now, these are the same townspeople who feared him, shunned him, and chained him up. 
Isn't this just like Jesus to choose the most unholy and repulsive person to teach others the gospel? Yes, that is what God does. Would we be frightened if Jesus showed up in a physical form on Sunday morning? Do we assume that we would not be like the Gerasenes, but instead receive his smiles and blessings regarding everything that we're doing? Maybe we do have it right, our worship and our outreach. Maybe every socio-political stance we have taken and every program we have promoted and every decision on spending money will just suit God to a T. Maybe. But I suspect that if Jesus walked through the door and assuming we all recognized him, that it might prove to be upsetting. You know how it is when the boss is coming to your work site? You tidy up, wonder if she will look closely at some things and get a little nervous. What might Jesus uncover if he looks that thoroughly at us, at our hearts, at our actions? So like the people of the garrison, we sometimes prefer the devil we know more than the God we don't know and who promises a lot of change. But maybe we forget that when God shows up and shakes things up, it is grace that he brings to us. Just as the de demoniac received Jesus' grace and mercy, we too will receive it from him. The story we hear today is about our truest names, the names of our shortcomings and hidden selves. It is a story about resistance. Resistance to speak up for young people who are struggling with sexual identity. A resistance to seek out individuals and give them the hug that might save their life. The resistance to listen to someone when we don't think we can spare the time. It's a story of resurrection, even when we are scared of what that will mean. The reading from Paul today, Galatians 3:28 is fitting today and for all eternity. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you have one in Christ Jesus. Today is a story about Jesus finding us naked among the tombs and who clothes us with a love and self-worth that we haven't felt before. This is a story about Jesus turning the demoniac and us into storytellers to heal the world. This is our story. Amen.